My name's John Redmond, and I'm the associate pastor at First Baptist Church in Pasadena, Texas. And today on Peace by Believing, we're going to be answering, or at least trying to answer, a very interesting question. And here's the question. Did Jesus ever go to hell? Was there ever a time in the life of the Lord Jesus Christ that he went and visited hell? Well, if you have your Bible today, I wish you would open it to the book of 1 Peter, chapter number 3. 1 Peter, chapter number 3. We're going to be looking at lots of scripture verses today, but we're going to start there. And the question that we're answering is an interesting question. The Bible tells us that Jesus went and preached to the spirits in prison, but who were these spirits? And where was this prison that Jesus went and visited? And not only that, What did he preach about? What was the content of the sermon that he preached on that day? And so I'm hoping this program will be a blessing to you. But not only did Jesus go to heaven, Jesus went to the underworld. Now, I was tempted to use the word hell. I was tempted to say Jesus went down to hell. But technically speaking, Jesus didn't go to hell. Did you know that nobody has ever been to hell yet? Now, sometimes we'll just say, if you die without Christ, you're going to go straight to hell. And if you ever hear a preacher say that or somebody else say that, don't ever, contra- don't ever correct them or don't ever say, well, technically that's wrong. Technically, they went to another place called Hades in the Bible because technically you're right, but for all practical purposes, Hades, hell, it's all the same place. And I've talked about that before. We read in Luke chapter 16 about a man who died without Christ, a man who died as an unsaved person. And Jesus is telling this story, and he said when he died, he went down, not to hell, but he went down to Hades. What is Hades? Hades is the place where unsaved people go when they die. If you're here tonight without Christ, and God forbid you should die in that condition, After your heart beats for the last time on planet earth, you will go immediately to a place the Bible describes as Hades, H-A-D-E-S. It is a place of suffering. It is a place of agony. It is a place of pain. It is a horrible, horrible place. And you would be there until the end of the age, until all of the unsaved people are cast into the lake of fire, and the lake of fire simply is another description for hell. The first two people who will be cast into the lake of fire, into hell, are the Antichrist and the false prophet. And after they go to hell, a significant amount of time after that, the third person who will be cast into hell is the devil himself. And after that, all of the unsaved people who have never received Christ, they will be cast into the lake of fire, they will be cast into hell. As I've said before, Hades is like a holding cell or a holding tank for hell. Hades is like the county jail, and hell is like the state penitentiary. 
When a person moves from Hades to hell, they have received their eternal sentence forever. The degree of punishment they will receive in hell based on how they have lived their life. Just like there will be levels of rewards in heaven, there will be levels of punishment in hell. But none of that will be determined until the end of time. And so I can't stand up here tonight and say that Jesus went to hell. The title of this message is, Did Jesus Ever Go to Hell? The answer to that question technically is no. For all practical purposes, although the technical answer is no, for all practical purposes, you could go ahead and say yes, or if you wanted to get it even more precise than that, you could say, while Jesus' body was in that grave, he went up to heaven on the day of his crucifixion, and he took that repentant thief with him, but after he went to heaven, he also went down, I'm just using a broad term tonight, to say the underworld. And while he was in the underworld, Jesus did a very interesting thing. He preached a sermon. He preached a sermon in the underworld. Now, let's just dig in a little bit deeper on this. Go to 1 Peter chapter number 3. Because I don't want you to take my word for it. I want you to see it in the Bible. 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse number 18. Now, verse 18 is one of the greatest verses in the Bible, one of the most well-known verses in the Bible about Jesus' death on the cross. And here's what it says. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive by the Spirit. Now watch verse 19. By whom also he went and preached to the Spirit's in prison. Now, where is this prison? Well, it's, it's, it's the place I have been describing. It is the underworld. Who are these spirits? These spirits are fallen angels. Turn to 2 Peter chapter 2. It becomes even more clear. 2 Peter chapter number 2 and verse number 4. For if God did not spare the angels who sinned, but cast them down. Now, I'm in the New King James, and my translation says, cast them down to hell and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved for judgment. Interestingly, though, the Greek word here is not the Greek word for hell. The Greek word for hell is the word Gehenna, hell or the lake of fire. The Greek word here is the word Tartarus, which was used actually by the Greeks first. It is a Greek word, and then the Bible writers brought it over in. The word Tartarus is used to describe the place where the fallen angels, many of the fallen angels, have been sentenced. And so the way they taught this back in Bible times is that you have Hades, which is the abode or the dwelling place of all the unsaved people who have died. That's where they are now. Below Hades is another place. It's even worse than Hades, if possible. And it's called Tartarus. And people aren't in Tartarus. Unsaved people are not in Tartarus. The people who are in Tartarus are fallen angels. You say, now John, what do you mean about fallen angels? Well, keep keep turning in your Bible to the book of Jude. Just keep going to the right. Jude is the Next to last book in the Bible, it's right before Revelation. Jude, it only has one chapter, but look in verse number 6. Because now we're describing, remember it says Jesus has, has gone, 
to speak to the spirits in prison. Prison is Tartarus. It's the, it's the, it's the place where the fallen angels are. And it says in verse 6, And the angels who did not keep their proper domain, but left their own abode, he has reserved, now watch this, in everlasting chains, now watch the next phrase, under darkness for the judgment of the great day. Now one of the worst things about hell will be how dark it is. One of the horrible things now about Hades is how dark it is. But the description we have here of the abode or the dwelling place of these fallen angels is not just that they are living in darkness, they are living under darkness. And as they are under darkness in everlasting chains, they are waiting for what? They're waiting until that day when they will be sentenced to hell forever. But they're not in hell now. You say, John, are all the fallen angels... In Tartarus? I don't think so. The devil's not in Tartarus. The Bible says the devil goes about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. I believe the Bible makes clear that not only, well, we know this is true. Not only is the devil on the loose, at least for now, there are many demons that are on the loose. And the demons are oppressing people and possessing people. This is why in the New Testament, when Jesus was getting ready to cast demons out of a man, those demons spoke to Jesus and they said, Jesus, please don't send us to that horrible assigned place for us before the time. And so many of the fallen angels, those demon spirits... They are on the loose today. One day they'll be in hell, but they're not in hell now. But some of the fallen angels have been already are in their place of punishment, their first place of punishment. They are in Tartarus. Now the question is, what did these fallen angels do that was so much worse than the other fallen angels? Maybe somebody, when the, the fallen angels, is taught, it's a reference of when God kicked the devil out of heaven. Because the devil wanted to become like God. He wanted people to worship him. And so when the devil got kicked out of heaven, the scripture says that he took a third of the angels. There, However many angels there are, and nobody knows the number. It's multiplied millions of angels. But a third of those were sent out from heaven when, Satan, when Lucifer rebelled against God. Now, of that third, a good number of them, don't know how many, are in Tartarus now. You say, well, John, what did these fallen angels do that got them such quick judgment? Well, go back to Genesis chapter number 6. I'll show you exactly what they did. These fallen angels inhabited the bodies of men once they had been kicked out of heaven and then after God created Adam and Eve and the human race began to populate and people were born and, and the, Adam and Eve had... Uh, procreated and, and, and the race was being populated, the, many of these fallen angels began to lust after women. But they were fallen angels. They're demons. They didn't have a body. And so they couldn't have relations with, with women. And so what these fallen angels did, they inhabited the bodies of some of the men on the earth and they had relations with women. And it so offended God that he cast these fallen angels into Tartarus. He's not even giving them the freedom that the devil now has. Genesis chapter 6, verse 1. Now it came to pass 
When men began to multiply on the face of the earth, and daughters were born to them, that the sons of God... Now, that phrase is used throughout the Bible to refer to the fallen angels. That the sons of God saw the daughters of men, that they were beautiful. Now, sometimes the, the phrase sons of God is, re, is used to refer to angels who haven't fallen. But here it's clear talking about the ones who have. That the sons of God saw the daughters of men, that they were beautiful, and they took wives for themselves of all whom they chose. And the Lord said, My spirit shall not strive with man forever, for he is indeed flesh, yet his days shall be one hundred and twenty years. And so this phrase, sons of God, talking about the fallen angels who inhabited the bodies of men because of their lust, had relations with women, children were born out of that relationship, and God said, you've already crossed a line that got you put out of heaven. You've crossed another line now. It's fixing to get you sent to a place called Tartarus that is under darkness, and you will be locked up with everlasting chains until the final judgment when you go to hell. And so when we read, now let's go back to put all this together to 1 Peter chapter number 3. 1 Peter chapter number 3. And verse 19, when it says, by whom also Jesus went and preached to the spirits in prison, this is who he's preaching to, these fallen angels who have committed this horrible, horrible offense and sin before God. And where are they? They are in Tartarus. And what the Scripture says, while Jesus' body was in the grave, not only did he go up, to heaven with that repentant thief, he also went down to the underworld and he preached to these fallen angels. Now, here's the question. What did Jesus preach? Someone asked me this morning, a fine Christian. She said to me this morning, when Jesus went and preached to those spirits in prison, did Jesus give them a chance to be forgiven? Did Jesus give them a chance to be saved? Did Jesus go down there to prison to, to, to wherever he went? Did he go down there to set them free? And the answer to that question is no. He didn't. It's interesting in verse 19, the word that is used for preached is not the same word that is used in the New Testament when it talks about preaching the gospel. In fact, you're in 1 Peter chapter 3. Go back to chapter number 1, and I'll show, you, I'll show you a different phrase, similar phrase. In chapter 1, look in verse 12, and about two-thirds the way down that 12th verse, it says, who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Now, when it's talking about preaching the gospel, see, that's what I'm doing tonight. That's what... That's what all, any preacher today, we preach the gospel. The word gospel means good news. And so when we stand before a congregation, we say to that congregation, hey, I have good news. Christ died for your sins. He was buried. He rose again on the third day. And if you will repent of those sins, turn from those sins, come to Christ, by faith receive Christ, here's the good news we preach. You can be saved today. And we've seen to the glory of God here in our church, three people make that decision so far today. They've been saved. The gospel was preached, the invitation was given, and they responded to the good news and they were saved. When Jesus went to Tartarus and preached to these fallen angels, it doesn't say he preached the gospel. 
It doesn't even use the same word for preach. The word that is used in that third chapter when it says he went and preached to the spirits in prison is a word that literally means to proclaim or to announce. To proclaim or to announce. What did Jesus proclaim? What did he announce? Well, we don't have a manuscript of his sermon, but based on that word that is given, we can surmise that when Jesus went to the underworld, when he went to Tartarus, he was proclaiming to those fallen angels that even though they had rebelled against God, even though they along with Lucifer, the chief fallen angel, even though they had introduced sin into the world, even though that sin had brought consequences, even though the consequence of that sin was death, Jesus was proclaiming to those fallen angels that as he died on that cross, he had paid the full penalty for the sins of the whole world. He went to Tartarus in essence to say, You messed it up, I straightened it out. You brought sin into the world, I'm taking sin out of the world. You brought trouble on the world, I'm making it possible for people to live with no trouble and for their sins to have been forgiven. And he proclaimed, I believe, now I don't have a manuscript of what he said, but from that word I believe Jesus proclaimed that he had provided a way for man's sins to be forgiven forgiven. And he announced. What did he announce? Well, again, we don't have the manuscript. I believe, and if I'm wrong on this, the spirit of what I'm saying is right, even if technically Jesus didn't go this far. Let me say it. I believe there's a good chance that Jesus said to those fallen angels, when you sided with Lucifer, when you rebelled against God, When you refused to submit and worship God, when you decided to go your own way and to have it your way and to live life how you wanted to live life, and when you followed Lucifer out of heaven, you followed a loser. And this is where it has ended up. Had you stayed in heaven in your proper domain, in your proper abode, in the place where you were designed to have lived, you could have been with me forever. Jesus said in Luke chapter 10 that he saw Satan fall out of heaven. And that means he, had, he would have seen all those third of the fallen angels fall out of heaven. And I believe Jesus, whether he said it or not, the message was certainly conveyed to those fallen angels. You, you, fo- you, you, followed, you followed the loser. You followed the wrong one. But he didn't preach the gospel. He didn't give them a chance to be saved. Did you know there's nothing in the Bible? I've written a booklet on this. But there's nothing in the Bible that would give us any reason to believe that fallen angels can be saved. And there's, there's nothing in the Bible that believes once you get to either Hades or once they get to Tartarus that you can be saved. Because at that moment, your eternal destiny is sealed. But think about what I'm saying tonight. Jesus went to Tartarus to say to the fallen angels... I have paid for the sins of the world. It's too late for you. You can't turn around. You can't be saved. You can't be forgiven because Jesus didn't die on the cross to pay for the sins of fallen angels. He died on the cross to pay for the sins of fallen man. Now, lest you feel sorry for the fallen angels, let me just say this. Had he given an opportunity to be saved, they wouldn't have gotten saved anyway. You say, you don't think they would have wanted out of there? Yeah, they'd have wanted out of there. But friend, getting saved is not just wanting out of hell. Getting saved is wanting to get right with God. 
And the thing that got them kicked out of heaven in the first place is they didn't want to bow the knee to God. They didn't want to worship God. They didn't want to be submissive to God. They didn't want any of that. And so had Jesus given them a chance to be saved, they never would have been saved. If Jesus went to Hades tonight and preached and gave the people in Hades tonight a chance to be saved, you say, I bet every one of them would get saved if they could tonight. Well, I don't know whether they were or not. That's never going to happen. They're never going to be given a second chance. I know this. There's coming a day, one day, when every knee in heaven, every knee on earth, and every knee under the earth, be it heaven, hell, or Hades, will bow and confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. That confession is coming. But if it doesn't come on earth, it's too late. I guess what I'm thinking and what I'm trying to communicate tonight is when Jesus went to Tartarus and preached his sermon, the people who heard the sermon had no opportunity to be saved. Now, again, they had no desire to be saved, but they had no, it was too late. But tonight, as I stand before this congregation and preach my sermon, I'm saying, you're not in Tartarus. You're not in Hades. You're not in hell. And it's not too late. I haven't come here tonight just to proclaim or just to announce. I have come here tonight to preach the gospel, to preach the good news, and to say to you tonight, if you will, by an act of your will, repent of your sins, call on Jesus, ask Him to save you, trust Him to save you, tonight Jesus Christ will save you. That's called the good news, and that's what I'm preaching. And I'm asking you tonight, have you ever received Jesus? Have you ever asked Him to come into your heart to forgive your sins? Because if not, you can. And you can right now. The greatest thing about the day in which we live is that we live in the day of grace. We live in the day of salvation. We live in the day where the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ is being preached and being taught and where we can respond and give our hearts to Jesus and receive Jesus Christ into our lives. And I'm just asking you today a very simple question. Has there ever been a time in your life when you have responded to the gospel message, when you have responded to the invitation that Jesus Christ has extended in which he said, come to me all you who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. Jesus promises to give us rest for our souls, forgiveness for our sins. In another place in the Bible, Jesus said, the person who comes to me I will in no wise cast out. Jesus has made us a promise that if we will come to Him, confessing our sins, repenting of our sins, turning from our sins, asking Him to forgive us, asking Him to save us, that He will indeed do that. The Bible says, all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. But that's not a decision that we want to put off. We would be foolish to say, well, I'll do that tomorrow, or I'll do that later on or I'll do that when I get old, or I'll do that when I come to the end of life, because we've not been promised tomorrow. We don't know that we'll, that we'll even ever get old, and even if we do get old, we don't know exactly when we'll die. And that's why the Bible says repeatedly, today is the day of salvation. Now is the accepted time. If you hear God's voice, don't harden your heart. And so today, whoever you may be, and wherever you may be listening to this message, if you have never asked Jesus Christ to come into your heart, 
You can do that right now in your car, in your home, in a hospital, in a prison, wherever you might be. All who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Would you just pray this prayer right now? Say, Dear Jesus, I want to be saved. I need to be saved. Please forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart. Make me a Christian. I ask you to save me, Jesus, and I trust you to do it. Welcome to my heart. Thank you that you'll never leave me. Thank you that today has become the day of my salvation. I love you, Jesus. In your name I pray. Amen. And friend, if you have prayed that prayer, you have just been saved. You have been saved by the grace of God, and today is the day of your salvation. And I want to just say congratulations. Also, I want to encourage you, if you've never done so, visit our website at peacebybelieving.org. Peace by believing, that's just one word, dot O-R-G. And if you'll scroll down, you'll find sermons that have been preached in the past. Some of them may be a real blessing to you. You'll find a tab that says spiritual growth. If you'll click on that tab, you'll find some booklets that we have written and prepared about salvation, about the storms of life, about being lonely, about forgiveness that can help you and bless you. So look at those materials and I pray they'll be a blessing and we'll look forward to being with you next time.